All right, hey there. It is Wednesday evening. This is the 573 Report. I'm Gabe DeArmond. That's Mitchell Forty on the other side of your screen. Welcome to the off-season edition where we just give movie reviews and pick restaurants <laughs> we want to go to and whatever because no more Mizzou sports are happening. Uh, we'll get to all the Mizzou sports that did happen and uh, what else could happen in a little bit but uh first want to make sure that you guys know first of all we will do this uh every week during the off season assuming there is you know enough interest and it is worth our time and yours it has been paid for by our fine sponsor <laughs> at 573tees.com you can check out their website at that address 573tees.com they have some uh new T-shirts out recently. I've seen some of their new Eli Drinkwitz offerings. Uh, maybe they've printed some USC offerings since uh, since Monday night. I don't really know, but uh, I might suggest that. But just go check them out at 573tees.com. If you go to the show page on powermazoo.com, you can click through from there and get a 10% discount. So I would encourage everyone to do that. Bless you, Mitchell. How you doing? Man? Thank you. <laughs> I'm doing good. And so got the, the allergies are getting me a little bit, yeah. but I'm doing well. Perfect timing. Um, yeah. So look, everything's done. And thank you, Eli Drinkwitz. Spring football is over as of tomorrow. And the, the off season starts a full month early. So I guess we're just not going to really do anything for the next what four months. <laughs> we just kind of hang yeah, out. But Maybe don't jinx it because you say that right. and then a bunch of stuff's going to happen. And I'm right. sure we'll still be uh, busy following the uh, the evolvement or evolution of the basketball roster here over the next yeah. few weeks. But yeah, we're uh, we're about done with with live in person stuff, so I'm I'm not going to complain. Yeah, so we've got a lot of comments building up and appreciate that comments questions. Uh, bring them, we will catch up to them. Uh, you know, usually kind of spend the first. 15, 20 minutes talking about either whatever happened or just whatever we feel like talking about. But, um, Mitch, you were in Indianapolis on uh, Saturday night and um, uh, went about as we expected it might. You know, I mean, turn the game on with four minutes left, see who makes more plays. That happened to be Austin Reeves in Oklahoma, and Oklahoma moved on to be the sacrificial lamb for Gonzaga, and Missouri's season is over. Yeah, pretty much. Um, you know, it, it was definitely it was if nothing, if not a close game. Uh, I don't know if it was like the most compelling game of the tournament, but it was close in into the last few minutes, like we predicted. Um, you know, obviously a, a bit of a just a missed opportunity for Missouri, a program that could really have used a NCAA tournament win, still waiting on the first one since 2010, and you know, playing an Oklahoma team that was down its best player. Um, still just just didn't quite work out. I'm sure we'll dive some more into the reasons, but uh, you know, gave up that 7-0 run out of the just it's just just after the last media timeout, and that that kind of sunk them. So uh, yeah. yeah, yeah, here we are. Yeah, um, we I feel like we've talked about that a little bit. And look, I I want to be clear when we I feel like there's two ways to question coaching decisions. One is like the next day. And yeah. once when you do it in real time, and I don't know about yeah. you, but in real time with three minutes and 44 seconds left, I said, what the hell is Jeremiah Tillman still doing on the bench? And ultimately, like, we'll talk about Xavier Pinson. I, I'm sure there will be questions and, you know, he's probably tweeted out four more offers or Instagram four more offers or whatever since we started the show and we'll get to that. But I, I at least kind of understood where Conzo was coming from on that one. 
When they yeah. came back from the timeout, and I saw the five guys he put on the floor, and Jeremiah Tillman wasn't one of them, I think I maybe even texted you and said, there's only 344 left in the season. What's what's he waiting for here? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you know, I, yeah, I said the same thing in, in, at the game. You know, I mean, he, Jeremiah Tillman had been Missouri's best player to that point. Even Drew Smith had been solid, but he hadn't hit those threes yet. And, you know, yeah, like you said, what you know, you might as well he might as well foul out if you're not going to put him out there. Like if he plays a couple minutes and fouls out, fine. You have to deal with him for without him in a closer game for a couple of minutes. But yeah, you know, to ultimately have it work out the way it did with Oklahoma going on that 7-0 run, then that was that that was definitely something that yeah we I think we both picked up on in real time, and that I think it's very fair to second guess. Yeah, and, and the other one, and it's kind of related because Tillman's on the bench. Uh, it's 63-57. Missouri comes down, and it may not have ended up being the most important possession of the season, but to that point, it was the most important possession of the season. Results in Mitchell Smith taking a three-pointer with 20 seconds left on the shot clock. Um, Mitchell's a good kid. He works very hard. Predictably, the shot did not go in. Uh, And I relate that to coaching only in the fact that all year long we have asked Conzo and not not we you and me necessarily, but people who cover the team. So, you know, Mitchell kind of is taking a lot of threes and not really shooting well. And all year long, Conzo said we want him to take that shot. So when he takes that shot on the most important possession of the season, that's because the coaches said all year we want him to take that shot. I just feel like at some point you got to acknowledge what your team is and what your team is, is not going to win an NCAA tournament game on Mitchell Smith's three point shooting. Yeah. And like, you know, I, I sort of get where Conzo is coming from a little bit where you need someone at that spot who can knock down a three because that yeah. helps you space the floor. And uh, you know, he even said after the game, Oklahoma's plan was pretty much like, if your fours are going to beat us from three, fine. We'll let Mitchell Smith and Kobe Brown shoot from three, but there's a reason that was their game plan. And it worked. It's because right. those guys just didn't shoot very well from three. So at a certain point, I do kind of feel like you need to adapt by either finding someone else to play those spots or that's hard to do in the middle of the season, have them, right. have them find a way to, to contribute elsewhere and, and not take that shot, especially in that situation. Um, and so, you know, yeah, I mean, you, you know, you don't want to obviously say, you know, that a 40 minute game came down to just that or anything like that, but yeah, it was, you know, uh, it was definitely one of those things where, you know, uh, and, you know, especially when Conzo pointed it out after the game that that was kind of what was playing all night. It's like, you know, you have to kind of give the coaching edge to Lon Kruger there. Yeah, and I feel like most of the people watching this show understand this, but just in case there's maybe somebody out there who doesn't, there's only five positions in basketball. And when the opposing coach says, we're just going to let one of them beat us if they want to, maybe that's kind of a weak spot on your team. And, like, it all goes back to the same thing is the recruiting. I, I mean, it, it's right. just, it's all the same argument, you know, is where was the, and I don't want to say talent, because look, this team made the tournament, they were a nine seed, but where was the depth on this team? And there just wasn't any. And that's ultimately, I think, what be, like, I thought the difference in that game, and, and you tell me if you disagree, Missouri had Tillman and Drew Smith, and that about evened out with Brady Manick and Austin Reeves. The difference was Oklahoma had Elijah Harkless. They had a third guy. And in that game, Missouri didn't have a third guy. Yeah, no, I pretty much agree. Mark Smith had a nice game. You know, he made a few threes, but but he was But they were all early and then he just kind of quit. The early wide open ones. Yeah, he just right. disappeared. 
No, I thought depth was absolutely one of the things. And I, and that was something that showed up, you know, during the whole kind of last third of the season, I would say, when, when things started sliding a little bit, mm-hmm. you know, when, when you've got Xavier Pinson not playing as well, you just don't have a guy who can give what he gives. And, and there you get, so you get stuck in a bind between, you know, playing someone who's basically making the team worse or, you know, throwing out a guy who's not an offensive threat. And then, you know, you're missing Jeremiah Tillman. You, you don't have a way to make up for that. So, you know, yeah, I think that was that was Missouri's problem for a while was just, you know, they, they had a few they, they had a few guys who were, you know, very good SEC level players and Drew Smith and, and uh, Jeremiah Tillman. And after that, just there just wasn't enough there. Yeah. So uh, real quick before we get into uh, this will actually be kind of a good transition to the next topic. But Pocket Watch, who is a fan of the team that might be hoping that uh, Xavier Pinson ends up there. And we'll talk about that in a minute. But he wants to know, like, what the environment was like in Lucas Oil Stadium. And I'm kind of curious, too, because on TV, like the one thing I missed watching the tournament on TV is like the shot of the crying kids or the girl, (sighs) the band girl, like really upset you didn't have a ton of that it was mostly like coaches and players families but what was it like being there yeah there was no band which actually i was fine with I'm, oh amen I'm not the biggest fan of bands yeah. at sporting events but it was it was actually it was kind of weird um you know first time i've ever been to a basketball game in a football stadium for one thing so you know it's just a, a massive massive venue to, to play a basketball game they had the football split stadium split in half and two courts um so like the sideline uh, where where the camera was shooting from, that was out of basically one of the Colts end zones, one of the end zones at Lucas Oil. Um, and so they had the, the stands weren't pushed all the way up against the sidelines. There was like a good 10, 20 yard buffer um, around the court. Plus they had like the first 10 rows of seats open. So it just felt to me like everyone was so far away. And it was like, it was really quiet down on the floor. We were, you know, at a table behind one of the baskets basically. And like, I could hear everything Lon Kruger and his assistant said all game, every single word, Um, which is kind of cool. Was there anything like really cool that that you wanted to tweet out or anything that he said? Uh, no, not really. They weren't like, you know, they were, they were chirping at the refs a few times on, uh, you know, calls slash missed calls, but, but nothing that I felt like was, uh, was, was that notable. They, they really weren't that interesting. Um, you know, a lot of, a uh, lot of, a lot of yelling at for and ones, but, uh, that's about it. But yeah, <laughs> so I, it was interesting just for a, like a, a game of that magnitude to have it be so quiet. Um, but it was also kind of cool. Like I said, like, I don't know, I think just the fact that, you know, back at the NCAA tournament and, and, you know, it is kind of a, a massive stadium like that part's kind of cool but it, it definitely you missed on some of the the fervor of the crowd noise and that's i know it's not the first one you've been to but that's the first ncaa tournament game you've covered right it is yeah yeah it's uh it, i don't know it's actually a really weird experience like you it's a whole powerade cups and you can't actually yeah. really talk to very many people actually in most years the locker rooms open and sometimes you can't talk right. to people but but well, yeah so this, this in this year. case we talked to very few people and also like you know even including media members because we were spread out you know six feet apart at our seats and uh yeah stuff like that also yeah. i will say you know one of the fun things about covering the ncaa tournament was like the i maybe it really and truly the loudest the crowd got all night because you know you imagine it's a split crowd so mm-hmm. it half of it's cheering anytime something happens but they were were all cheering when they did the live look-ins on the jumbotron and showed ohio beating virginia yeah i think that got the most the, the most applause of the night <laughs> yeah the biggest applause at the spring game on saturday was when they announced eastern washington was leading kansas with like nine minutes left which uh which mm. did not yeah, last but i remember well. Well, like when i covered the the 2009 tournament i guess it was in boise 
you know, the cool part was it, I mean, the hotel I was staying in was walking distance from the arena. And so Missouri played like a four o'clock game or whatever, but there was a game at 11. So I just went over and watched like an hour of it, you know, and you guys couldn't do that this year, which hopefully it'll all go back. And the next things we cover in person will be regular again. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> you know, that that'd be good. But we mentioned Pence, Pinson and and like Stuart West says, let this is the starting point for this conversation. It, regardless of Conzo, Xavier Pinson was pretty much never coming back to Missouri next year. Now, like we started hearing that last year. We were surprised he came back this year. I, I don't know about you. I didn't expect him back. And that was like to me, that was never at that point about Conzo. That was I don't know. This kid is always posting things on Instagram that makes me think he's going to leave. Like, I'm just not sure he loves it here. I think he's not going to come back. Yeah. When he, when he first declared for the draft, I, I definitely thought he was, he was gone. I mean, like to be honest, you know, I heard after his first year on campus when he was playing what, like, you know, nine minutes a game or something like that, that he was, that he was interested in exploring professional opportunities. That was always his goal. Um, and so when, it, when he first entered the draft last season, I thought maybe he was gone. The more I talked to people, the more I kind of thought, okay, I think he's coming back. Um, but, but we said from the jump, you know, just assume like that scholarship's probably coming open at the end of this season. So from that standpoint, you know, I, I do kind of feel like some of the, uh, you know, the, the hullabaloo uh, surrounding his departure, him entering the transfer portal is just people wanting a reason to be mad at the coach and using that. Um, but I do understand, you know, that, that, you know, for people who, who feel like, you know, oh, he wants to come back to colleges, isn't just him going pro, which we'll see, you know, I, I right. anticipate we'll he will still, uh, enter his name into the NBA draft and, and, and get some feedback. Um, you know, why couldn't it be at Missouri? But I, I also think that that became a much easier thing to explain when we had the last few weeks that we had. Yeah. And, uh, and like, look, I don't want to, we're not carrying Conzo's water here. Like he. He shares in this, I think. And, oh, yeah. And, and uh, you know, I, I think your job is to understand that not every kid is the same. Not not every kid is Javon Pickett or Drew Smith, who's going to come in here and pretty much coach himself and work his ass off. And, you know, some kids do take a different approach. And I think it's at least fair to ask at this point in time if Conzo's willing to take that approach with some guys and put up with some of the stuff that let's be honest, you got to put up with. There's some divas and drama Queens in high major basketball. And if you're, if you're not willing to put up with it, bottom line, you're not winning. Not at, not at the level people want, people want you to. Yeah. A hundred percent. And it is tough. It's a fine line because, you know, on one hand, yeah, you know, it's easy to say like, Oh, look at all the guys who have transferred out under him. You know, you've got Pinson, you've got Trey Jackson, you've got, Mario McKinney, even though that was kind of a different deal, but you can say like, look at all these guys. One, you know, everyone's situation is different. And two, you really and truly are very hard pressed to find a college basketball team that doesn't have two to three guys transfer out every single year. It's just, it's just the nature of the beast. I mean, there are almost 800 players in the transfer portal right now. It's ridiculous. That said, you know, yeah, we, we have seen, um, you know, to this point, you know, maybe a little bit worrisome ability to, to kind of get guys on board and to stay on board who have the ability that, that some of, you know, that this team is somewhat lacking. Like we've said from for all the time, all season, 
Xavier Pinson has that dynamic ability to beat his man one-on-one and get you a bucket, and not many other players on Missouri's team had. And and so, you know, at a certain point, you do have to kind of be able to, um, you know, walk the balance between not, like, compromising everything you stand for and, and all that and getting those guys to to stay on the team and, and yeah. you know, continue to tr- and, buy in and contribute. And this is the first one. And, look, maybe Pinson goes pro, and this is just not a thing. He just wanted to leave. Uh, but he's – He's posting these offers on social media, and it does seem a little more likely that he actually plays in college. And I'm just going to say it right now. If he plays in college, I fully expect it to be in the SEC. Two of his three offers are from SEC teams. And, like, I think there's a little bit of, oh, man, I'd love to come to Mizzou Arena and score 27 next year in that kid. You know, and, look, he hasn't talked to us. That's just a guess. Um, Mm -hmm. But – you know, the the only one, like the Trey Jackson thing, it raised a, an eyebrow for me because I thought, I don't know, he seems like he has an ability. Now, look, he's gone to Seton Hall and done almost nothing. So maybe they end up being right on that one. I, I'm not talking Blake Harris or Mario McKinney or things like that. That that didn't even raise an eyebrow for me. Axel Okongo going to whatever, Eastern Michigan or wherever he went. I, I don't care. Yeah. But this one, I know he's been here three years and I know it was always inevitable, but still, like, you are a better team with Xavier Pinson on the floor. And so I think even disregarding next year, I think some of the times this year, it was Conzo's job to figure out, hey, how to make this work so that when we have a do-or-die game in the NCAA tournament, this kid's not pouting with his warm-ups on while I play Drew Bugs. Yeah, a hundred percent. And, and I said, you know, I think it was the Arkansas game this year where, um, Pinson really, I, or maybe it wasn't cause he had a good game. That it, game. I don't it, know, no, it, it was, was some, the, some... it was the Arkansas game at home. Pinson ended okay. up with 23 points, but like he wasn't, it was weird. Cause I remember we all kind of said after that game, Hey, do you think about going with bugs more down the stretch? And right. Yeah. You know, so it was one of those games. Yeah. Where, where everyone was talking about, I mean, it was the question, you know, bugs was much better in the plus minus all that. And I, I kind of defended Conzo afterward. I said, look, you know, at a certain point, you, you got to put your best players out there and take a chance because, you know, like we've said, pins and brings you something bugs simply does not. And uh, so, so, you know, because of that, I mean, like I, I was willing, you know, after this tournament game to say like, you know, that, that, yes, I understand. I, a part of me understands why you put Drew Bugs out there. And Pinson was not playing his, you know, a phenomenal game. But I think you've got to take your chances with the guys who can, you know, who can get you a, a bucket in those situations. I mean, we already talked about how Missouri's offense was kind of four on five because the fours were not a threat through, from the perimeter. With Drew Bugs out there, that's another guy who's not a threat. You know, it's, it's hard to win basketball games when you're playing three on five on offense. I'm not a coach, but I know that. So, so yeah, I do think that at a certain point he does share some blame just by not, and unlike, we have no idea what went on behind the scenes, but just any coach's job is to be able to, you know, connect with their players, push the right buttons and get them to, you know, to, to kind of help out. Yeah. We don't know what went on behind the scenes, but we know this, the kid started every game. He wasn't suspended. Mm -hmm. He wasn't kicked off the team. So there was nothing too serious um, in my mm-hmm. opinion, but bottom line is the, here's the elephant in the room. The only reason we're really talking about this is uh, I, they're going to start some people next year. We just don't really know who they are. I mean, look, we know Kobe Brown's coming back, right? I mean, 
That would be the all-time what-the-hell move to transfer when your brother is an incoming recruit. So we're pretty yeah. sure Kobe's coming back. I can't imagine Javon Pickett's not coming back. Mm-hmm. Um, they've got five freshmen signed. They've got yeah. four other guys who could come back, but like right. Torrance not, Watson. Not all, of them, not all of them will leave, I don't think. <laughs> I mean, I, I don't think, but I don't know if it's impossible. Like Parker Brown, look, we talked last year. Like, he might not be back this year. He was. He didn't really play much. It wouldn't surprise anybody. Torrance Watson hardly played this year. They gave him a little bit of a shot late in the year, and frankly, I don't know that he showed you he can be a starter, right? Fair? Yeah, I mean, he knocked down a few threes, but, I mean, yeah, I mean, uh, not much else there. He was minus six in two minutes against Oklahoma. Like That's, that is that's to tough. <laughs> you know, I mean, that like – that's not a guy I think you're relying on as a starter necessarily. So, look, it's it's fair to wonder what happens with him. Jordan Wilmore played 26 minutes, and then I got to go find it. I think it was Stewart. Uh, Stewart asked if Ed Chang exists or if he is a COVID paper stand-up figure, which I, would be incredible. Yeah. Like, can we just say that would be incredible if Ed it Chang would. didn't I, actually I saw, wasn't a human being? I saw the player – purported to be Ed Chang going through warmups every okay. game, but maybe that, I mean, maybe it wasn't a real basketball player. Maybe it was just like a manager or some dude. And they're like, yeah, you can hang out with us and pretend to be Ed Chang. That's cool. So Jordan Wilmore played 26 minutes and Ed Chang played zero minutes. So it would not frankly be all that surprising if they didn't come back. I mean, so the bottom line is we know for sure there's going to be seven guys on this team. And then there could be up to four more come back. I, I would say the odds are, far greater that it's not all four of them back than all four of them return. I mean, I would think probably of those four, I would think probably two leave. I don't know which two, but I think at least two probably are not back. Yeah. I mean, I could definitely see that, you know, I wouldn't be stunned if, you know, one, three, if two, if one leave, if two leave, even really if three leave, I'd be pretty surprised if all of them come back. I'd be pretty surprised if they all leave, but yeah, I mean, it's just kind of the nature of how it goes this year, but yeah, you know, that's why we said, on one of these shows at one point this year, you know, like, man, it would be kind of nice if Conzo could could pitch Jeremiah or sorry, pitch Xavier Pinson on pulling a Jeremiah Tillman and coming back for his senior yeah. year, um, because there's not a, not a lot else there right now. And yes, there's a lot of guys in the transfer portal, and I'll have a, a kind of a transfer board tomorrow breaking down some of the guys we know Mizzou's in touch with and some of the other potential options out there. But it's hard to recruit transfers right now because every school yep. saves a spot for at least one transfer. Like, so, you know, there's going to be a lot of competition there. Yeah, just for an example, Brandon McKissick, good player at UMKC. Like, solid player. Summit League Defensive Player of the Year. But, like, UMKC's not good, right? I mean, they were no, no threat. Not that to, I know of. Yeah, they were no threat to do anything in the Summit League. He's been in the portal for two days and has offers from Missouri and Florida. Had a call today with Kansas. Like, that's the competition for, like, kind of a – I guess a good mid-major player, you know, yeah. so um, it, it's tough out there, but look, they'll, they'll, I mean, they will attack that hard and they will, will certainly land some of them, but that's, that, that's the whole discussion here is next year looms. Uh, so I want to kind of wrap up this part of it with a, a question. Somebody asked in my mailbag. I hope you haven't read it yet, but you may have read it. I don't know. I haven't actually, okay. Good no. deal. So I'm going to let you answer this and then tell you how I answered it. Somebody said, is it okay. a blessing or that Conzo kind of gets to remake this roster or is it an indictment of what he's done that he has to? 
Ooh, that's a good question. Um, I mean, I, I don't, I don't think it's a blessing necessarily. Like I, I, I'm kind of, I'm going to, this is going to be already a cop out answer. I kind of know, but I'll try not to make it one. Like, I don't, I, I don't think it's, you know, a blessing because, you know, and, and yes, this happens in basketball, but you, it's ideal to never have to replace, you know, like right. 10 guys in a 12 man, 13 man team. Um, that's hard to do. I don't know if it's also don't know that it's an indictment because, you know, you you had this senior class that kind of, you know, that that was part of the reason you were good this past season. Um, but I do. I, I lean more. I'll say this. How, how about this? I lean more towards the latter. You know, the, the recruiting classes the past few years were not good. And those were the biggest issue with this roster. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, that part of that is because of guys leaving. Part of it is just because, you know, they didn't you know, they didn't sign guys who have really contributed in those classes other than Kobe Brown. So I'll lean more towards the latter there. You know, it's, there are basketball teams that do this and it's okay, but I think it, it is, it is less than ideal and it is partially because of poor recruiting the past couple of years. Right. Like remaking this roster is not like John Calipari remaking his roster when six dudes get drafted in the first round. That's a little bit right. different deal. But I, I mean, if you thought your answer was a cop out, I'd, took it even a a cop out step further. I, I just said like, ultimately we can't answer that question for two years because if it goes well, then it's, Hey, group one got this to a certain point. And then Conzo kind of got a fresh start with all like everything was in the past and he got to start over and took it to another level. And this freshman class is going to be seen as the guys that did that and all that. But if we get two years down the road and like, oh, man, this ain't going well, then obviously it's an indictment. And like, I know that's a cop out, but I just I just don't think there's any way to answer it today without like making assumptions, whether they're good, bad or indifferent the next two years. But before we get to some of the the viewer questions I put out there, I think the timeline for this has to be they need to be a tournament team again in two years. Uh, Not look, I'll give them next year. For a rebuild. Now, I think it's important that next year isn't a jump off the cliff. It's like a step down, but not a not a just completely fall and, you know, bang your head on a rock and lie there on the trail dying. But I, I think two years from now, when Kobe Brown's a senior, when this incoming five-man class is sophomores, if you're not in the tournament then, I think it's hard to convince me this thing's going the right way. Yeah. Yeah, no, I definitely agree. Um, and, and yeah, kind of the reason I, I leaned towards indictment wasn't so much trying to assume like it's it's not going to go well, but it, it's it is hard to remake a team in one offseason and then have it competitive within two years. And especially kind of, you know, given, frankly, the inability to get uh, talent to campus the past couple cycles, you know, all, that's got to change in a hurry. Um, but yeah, I, I completely agree. Um, you know, we'll, we'll have people on the board say like sometimes like, you know, oh, are you really going to give the coach X many years? Or are you not going to give him X many years? It's, it's about the situation yeah. um, specifically with Conzo, not speaking in generally, you know, he, he two tournaments in four years is really good, is good. I think considering where Missouri was when he took yes. over, I think you'd have to be hard pressed to argue that two tournaments in six years um, oh, is, God. is just, it's not. And especially when you've got basically then, you know, you're kind of two full recruiting classes through there, or at least, one all the way through and one partial way through enough to, to get a feel for how they're going to be. Um, you know, you'd have to have a pretty compelling reason why 
you should have maybe been in the tournament that second year and it didn't work out or something like that for me to be like, yeah, we should, we should keep seeing how this is going to go. And uh, yeah, you said it's really hard to rebuild, you know, this big of a rebuild in one year. There's two, two situations that can change that one. If you just happen to have like the number one player in the country and hire a family member, (laughs) like they did the first year or like Oklahoma state did this year or two, if you get that guy and I can't think of a good example, I know there are, examples out there but if you get that guy that's like a Cassius Robertson right the kind of the mid-major guy that all of a sudden he comes to a high major program and he's not just a contributor but he's like suddenly the best player on your team I mean if that happens okay then you can see it happening but both of those are the exception rather than the rule yeah yeah no I definitely agree and especially given how you know, how much in demand transfers are right now. Right. No question. So we're going to get to your guys' questions in just a second. Uh, before we do, want to remind you one more time, uh, this is the 573 Report because it is sponsored by 573Ts. That is 573Tees.com. Go over there. Make sure to outfit yourself. Um, look, things are opening back up. You're getting shots. Like, you're going to be allowed to go outside. So, your gym shorts and the T-shirt that you ripped the sleeves off of that you've worn for seven straight months, probably not going to work. You probably need a new T-shirt, new hoodie, whatever. Go get one, 573-TEES.com. Go through the link on Power Mizzou. You get 10% off. Uh, that makes it cheaper. So you guys should do that because cheaper is better than, you know, not cheaper. Um, we want to go to <laughs> your guys' questions now. Uh, so Case says, do you think Mizzou hoops will see any kind of attendance boost from this season? I want to get the smartest answer out of the way yes because only 3200 people were allowed in the building i feel confident more than 3200 people a game will go next year but i understand that's not what he means um and that's kind of why like the last month of this season hurts is you felt like maybe you were building something that would that people would be excited about going into next year and now i i don't really know that there's much excitement around this thing yeah, no, I totally agree for both the fan and recruiting perspective. You know, right. it's if it, it, it'd be a lot easier, I think, to sell transfers on coming in. Like, you know, we were a Sweet 16 team last year, so we've got those pieces. You know, some of those pieces, but also there's immediate playing time for you versus, like, yeah, we won some games in January, so right. you know, December, January. That that was cool. Um, yeah, like I I totally agree, and and so yeah, there will be more attendance than there was this year, but you know, I mean, I think this program's always going to struggle a little bit with attendance they're not going to fill up that arena consistently you know unless you have a year like the porter year um and especially where right now i don't think there's you know a ton of buzz around the program obviously we'll see what happens in the transfer portal so um but somewhere between 3200 and full i mean even if they they do really well in the transfer portal like i uh, unless it's a situation where and look i i If I'm being honest, I don't think this is going to happen. And when I throw this name out, I want to be clear. This is the kind of thing it would take. If Caleb Love were to transfer from North Carolina, if he were to enter the portal and Missouri would land him, that's the type of thing that could get people excited. But, like, if you get a guy from, you know, who was the kid they just offered? From Green Bay. Yeah. You know, I mean, like, he might be a really good player, but it's not selling tickets, you know, in – even this incoming class, Trevon Brazil, Yaya Keita, Sean Dewar Gordon, all these guys, like they may end up being really good players, but it's a very similar class to, you know, the Denman Bowers English class. 
And I'm going to be honest, I was here when those guys were signed, and it wasn't, oh, my God, I can't wait to see these guys play. It was, yeah, I don't know, we got a bunch of three stars. Like, we're already pretty good. I guess we'll see, right? Um, yeah. <laughs> and that that class turned out to be great, but the day it was signed wasn't this, oh, my God, I can't wait to buy tickets to watch Lawrence Bowers play. You know, I mean, and, and I'm not trying to be, like, snarky about it. I, I love Lawrence. He's one of the greatest guys I've covered. But just the point is, I, I don't think they're selling tickets based on, you know, I want to go see Anton Brookshire play um, because it's, yeah. it's just not that level of a class on paper. Yeah. So, oh, yeah, I completely agree. Um, okay, so let me keep rolling through. Okay, Jacob Stouffer says he's also wearing his All Juice t-shirt, so I appreciate that. Um, that is uh, that's a nod to our friend Therese Paler, so hopefully, look, I've tweeted out, that out. Hopefully you guys know about that. You should go buy one. It's a very comfortable hoodie. Um, I've worn it twice this week. Maybe I should do laundry at some point, I guess, but... That's kind of another subject. Um, <laughs> let's see. Uh, keep on rolling through. The the transfer portal situation this year, Stewart says, favors Mizzou potentially getting through a lean time for their roster. I mean, I agree just based on the sheer numbers, right? Yeah. I guess if you're if you have a year where you need to pull in three or four transfers, it's best to have the year where you have more to choose from in kids, theory. Right. So, yeah, I, I, I guess that's true. Um, I also think that, you know, more as more people transfer from other schools, there's those schools are going to be more needing to you're, they're going to need to fill those spots. But, uh, yeah, I mean, we'll see. It'll it's one of those things, like you said, it'll ultimately be judged by the results a couple of years from now. Yeah. Um, all right. Jeffrey Weber says we've basically recruited one player in two years. That is unacceptable. How do you build a program that way? And like, look, I mean, that. As of now, the last two years is Kobe Brown, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, that's the yeah. recruiting. Yeah, I mean, like maybe Jordan Wilmore, like you know, needs some time to develop and all that. You know, he I guess he does have one of the things you, they say you can't teach, which is size. But um, yes, as of right now, the only player from the past two years who's still on the roster and has contributed anything is Kobe Brown. So uh, Jacob wants to know if Conzo has ever mentioned Ed Chang. Like we asked about him like three or four games in, I think. And then after that, like you don't ask about – like we didn't ask him any questions last year about Evan Yerkes, right? You don't ask about the guy that's <laughs> that's not getting on the floor. Um, but he says I think – I wish we had asked about Evan Yerkes. Fair. <laughs> yes. Uh, I think someone said he was a lights-out three-point shooter in warm-ups, but that's warm-ups. So you said you saw Ed Chang in warm-ups. I want to know if that's true. Is he actually I, the, a lights out shooter? I just, I mean, I, I can't get behind that he looked good warm up thing. First of all, I distinctly remember at one point texting you and saying Ed Chang just airballed a three, a three from the top of the key at warm ups. Okay. So I don't think that qualifies him as a lights out shooter. But I also don't want to say based off right. one attempted warm ups he was bad at shooting. Just so, like you shouldn't say he's a light out shoot, lights out shooter. So you did not chart Ed Chang's warm up threes during the season, I guess. Believe it or not, no. Well, I don't know what the hell we're paying you for then. But uh, <laughs> all right, well, maybe next year we'll do that if he's uh, if he's still on the team. All right, Case says according to my math, they are losing seventy six point five percent of the scoring on a team that already fell apart. I'm going to be honest; I would have guessed it was more. I'm surprised it's only seventy six percent. It's yeah, I did the math today. I got like seventy five point six. We're on the same. One page. of the two, yeah. <laughs> 
Yeah. Um, yeah. So yeah, I mean, it, it's 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 less than ideal, but also there's a lot of people out there who have who have expressed displeasure with the players we saw on the court next <laughs> last year. So at least you get some new guys just to, to root for. I was gonna say that. I mean, last year the argument was everybody comes back, so we're gonna be better. And my take kind of was, I mean, everybody's back, but like they weren't good last year. So is that necessarily a positive, right? So this year everybody's kind of down on the way the season ended. So maybe it's good all those players are moving on. And, and like, along those lines, we haven't mentioned this yet. I mean, the five seniors technically could come back. The expectation yeah. is that none of them will. You know, I mean, right. that could change, but the expectation is that they're all done. My expectation is if one of them comes back, it is not one of the two contributors, real big contributors, maybe, Drew Smith and Jeremiah Tillman. Tillman and Drew are uh, gone. The, the one, yeah. and then I think what I've said, it has to make sense. A for the player and B for the program. So both those things have to be true. It makes sense for the program for Tillman or Drew to come back, but it doesn't make sense for the player. It makes sense for the player for Bugs or Mitchell Smith to come back, but I don't think it makes sense for the program. The only one where I could see both those things maybe meeting is Mark Smith, but I don't really get the impression Mark Smith's coming back. Yeah, I mean, I don't, I just feel like you know, it'd be it, I feel like it'd be weird in his shoes unless maybe he has to take more classes to get a degree anyway or something. Yeah. Like you know, he's pro I'm sure his best friends, he's closest with all those guys who are graduating with him. Like it'd be weird to be the one dude who comes back, but maybe he will. Who knows? I yeah. don't know. Yeah, we'll see. Um, assuming no one else leaves, how many transfers can they bring in next year? So if nobody else leaves, they can bring in two. I think right. Correct. Correct. So they can bring in at least three. Like yeah. somebody's I, leaving. Someone else. I'll say this too. Uh, I'm sure they will look at the junior college market as well, not just D1 to D1 transfers. You know, yeah. when you're if you're talking about it's, replacing three guys, like I have no idea who's in it. But. I mean, is junior college basketball playing this year? Is that a thing? I, I don't no know. Clue. I I have no idea. I I just thought I'd throw that out there. <laughs> okay. Yeah. So I have nothing. I have nothing more to add. Non high school players. Uh, that's fair. Yeah. Um. Is Mark Smith the streakiest shooter in Mizzou history? Um, so, Case, this is – I don't know how old you are. I know Mitchell is not going to know this name. And depending on how old you are, you may not know this name. I want you to see if you can find out any information about a man named Mark Atkins. He played on Missouri's, like, teams right around 93, 94. I, I think he was – he may have been a senior on the the unbeaten uh, Big Eight team. I'm not positive, but he was around that era. And like Mark Atkins was the first guy I saw in college who, if he was on, you were perfectly comfortable with with him crossing half court and pulling up and taking a shot. I mean, it was 100% going in. If he was off, <laughs> not quite as good. And then I think Clarence Gilbert was streakier than Mark Smith too. And and that's probably pre you still Mitchell, right? Yeah, I mean, I'm familiar with Clarence Gilbert, but I didn't. I do not remember watching him play. Yeah, I mean, he scored. I think he had twelve threes against Iowa State in the triple overtime yeah. game. Scored forty three. Um, you know, and then in the regional final against Oklahoma, went I think one for thirteen. So you know, yeah. The reason one the the reason I'm familiar with Clarence Gilbert is because he's in the Mizzou record books in ways right. both good and bad. He's in there several yes. times. <laughs> and and the thing about Mark Smith is, yes, he's streaky, but 
I, like, I don't know what the n- most threes he ever hit in a game is, but, like, Mark never had a night where he hit seven threes that I remember. Yeah, his was more, like, prolonged. Like, he'd go, like, two or three games in a row shooting really well and then, like, a few games in a row not. But also, actually, I would say, I don't know so much as he was sh- streaky as he just wasn't very good down the stretch this season. I mean, he yeah. was pretty dang good for whenever he was healthy for both of his first two years at Missouri and then, like, the first four or five games this year, and then it just – Kind of stopped being good. Yeah, no question. No question. So, all right, Brett asks, uh, is there a sense that the powers that be at Mizzou don't want to get dirty in recruiting? I know in the past they have not allowed coaches to recruit certain players. Is it still the same way? Well, look, I mean, every athletic director is going to say we don't want to be dirty in recruiting, right? I mean, I so – I don't really know, Um, but I think like what he's referring to is basically Missouri was told by the athletic director at the time that they couldn't sign Brandon Rush. Like Brandon Rush would have come here if, uh, but they had NCAA things going on. He had transferred a couple times. He couldn't come here. So he went to Kansas, played on a national title team. That all worked out much better for Brandon in Kansas than it did for Missouri. Um, And, like the powers that be, I don't know, but I, I'll tell you, and I wouldn't say this if it wasn't true. The day he was hired, I heard two things about Conzo Martin. He's a really good dude. You're going to like covering him. And oh, by the way, he's one of the cleanest coaches in college basketball. So like, I think that's true. That's from people that have covered him all over. So whatever the AD wants, I, I really do believe Missouri has a clean program or as clean as college basketball at this level gets anyway. Yeah, I mean... Certainly, if they're if they're cheating, they're not doing a particularly good job of it. <laughs> well, I mean, let's be honest. Missouri's been on probation like three times in the last 25 years, and they don't have a lot to show for it. So Missouri has yeah. a good history of cheating for the wrong dudes. I mean, that's true. They, You know, the last NCAA thing, like, wasn't it like Jakeen and Gant was kind of at the center of it? I was going to say, yeah, Jakeen and Gant. Who, yeah, I mean. Yeah, did not exactly pan out. I think he was like all Sun Belt. Ended some up point good for, at Louisiana. For, yeah, yeah. Not exactly the guy you need to be shelling out six figures right. for. I mean, kind of along the same lines of like I was texting you this weekend, like Will Wade's got a second round and a sweet 16 for his strong ass offers. Like, dude, if you're on a wiretap saying that, get to a final four. Like, you know, get somebody yeah. better than what you got. Yeah, I mean, Cam Thomas least, is good. They, they, don't won, get they won the SEC, which that why one point, which is cool. You know, you get a ban. You, actually, yeah. I don't know if you can hang a banner for a regular season thing, but yes, no, you're you're right. If you're gonna for for all that I assume is gonna end up coming of that, you would like them, or I'm sure he would like them to have uh, who have gotten a little more done in the tournament. Right, like just kind of throwing out. I mean, two year postseason ban and recruiting restrictions and whatever they get. Is that worth a a regular season SEC title? <laughs> not to me yeah uh yeah it's not like talking about you know bill self who has uh gone to a few final fours and won a national title there we're talking yeah right like if 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 you go back and find out that bill self cheated to get mario chalmers beyond hiring his father well worth it man look see that banner up there i'm good with it yeah. you know but uh you know javante smart eh, thanks for coming i guess you know <laughs> remember when we went to the sweet 16 that was cool but, yeah uh, yeah um uh, okay let's see keep rolling through uh a lot of mark smith talk a lot of juco talk any okay follow word wants to know any silent commits for football i mean like if they're silent they haven't told us right i mean yeah 
Yeah. Like, I would love to tell you I know that some kids committed that we don't know about, but it would be hard for me to not know about or to, to talk about if I didn't know about it. <laughs> yeah, generally speaking, if, if we know, you all know. And also, if for some reason we run into a situation where we're like, okay, this is going to happen, but we can't tell you yet, I, unfortunately, and you should still watch this show, but we're probably not breaking that news on the 573 right. report. Right, yes. Uh, and. I, we would hint at it if we, but there's truly, I, we don't know. There's nothing. Yeah, no, really. Yeah. I'm, yeah. That wasn't my point. I was just saying that it would be incredible if we came on here and we're like, by the way, right. so-and-so silent commit. Watch yeah. it's coming out tomorrow. <laughs> yeah, that'd be great. Our, our, the people who pay us on the site would be thrilled. I think uh, what two yeah. or three players shot in the spring football game. So, all right, this is kind of where we can transition. Um, what I've said since Saturday, when I went to the spring football thing is that I don't want to call it a game because that is not what it was. It was an hour and 15 minutes of drills. Well, maybe not quite that much, maybe about an hour. And then 30 minutes of the ones and the twos playing two hand touch. And then about 20 minutes of an actual like scrimmage with the threes and the fours. Um, so of those guys like Michael Cox, PM legend, Michael Cox looked really good. Now, does that mean that he is an actual uh, threat to get playing time and do something it could uh, it could mean that it could also mean he was the one guy that they felt comfortable handing the ball off to and you know uh hey if if he gets hurt it's not messing up the season necessarily and I mean I, I'm old enough to remember when Aubrey Miller had 47 tackles in the spring game so you know yeah. we'll, we'll see but I, I just I mean the lead to my report from the spring football uh extravaganza was any, yeah anybody that tells you they learned anything from this is a liar so that's pretty much where i stand on the spring football gathering that they had on saturday um, it was yeah, fun. it sounds like the the open practice they had the weekend before was actually far more revealing yeah uh, I think, which is yeah. i think maybe but maybe i wonder if like I, i'd just like By to design. fantasize and imagine that drink was like ah it's bad weather like people came to the first open practice they'll come to the spring game let's like just go ahead and just change the plan today and do the spring game today and then we'll have practice next week when everyone's here yeah it, it wouldn't surprise me honestly i mean that's that's the kind of thing that happens and uh you know, uh, I actually spent a good portion of that watching uh, the Groves brothers try to upset Kansas. That was my experience at the at the spring. Hi, we gotta get the Groves brothers back in the NCAA tournament there. next year, but preferably matched up against Kansas again. I would say what made them so likable. Here's how I rank the players that I've seen so far in the NCAA tournament: Tanner Groves, who was the one with the headband and the beard. Oh yeah, he's number one. Uh, Cameron Crutwig is my second favorite player that I've seen yeah. from Loyola. And then yep. the other Groves, whose first name I do not know, is my third. Jacob. Like, I just call him White Afro. White Afro is my yeah. third favorite player. Napoleon Dynamite. <laughs> yes. The the commentator. The announcer called actually the called that. I was like, yeah. that's that's a little mean, but also amazing. Also, Eastern true. Washington was definitely the most likable yeah. team I've ever seen until they completely fell apart. I mean, but, if he's Napoleon Dynamite, his brother is Kip, which I also support. Yeah, yeah, uh, I, they were amazing. The Gross Brothers, yes, yeah. we need them and back. And also, Cameron Crutwig is cool, and his family was staying in my hotel. That's all I have to say. Somebody told me that the Groves are only juniors, so they're eligible yeah. to be back next year. Well, yeah, then. no, they are. Yeah, that's why I said we got to get them back in the tournament, yes. preferably playing against Kansas. Would be a huge fan of that. The best part about uh, 
uh, about Crutwig other than the fact that, like, if I gave you 7,000 guesses, you would never guess Division One basketball player was what he did. But the best part was when somebody changed his Wikipedia page, like, within seconds to read Kofi Coburn's father after that game, so... Yeah. Classic Wikipedia shenanigans. Gotta love that. <laughs> yeah. I mean, Wikipedia is like the only site I ever use for research, so I hope it can't be faked. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, you just gotta be able to use a little common sense to be like, wait a minute, Cameron Quitwick, he's only like a year older than Kofi Cameron. <laughs> right. That doesn't make sense. Also, you're capable of that. There might be some, yeah, I, I, just, I just don't think it would be, uh, I, I don't think I would actually report that. But okay, so yeah. just like tournament in general, um, I mean, we talked last week about how we were going to be pretty fired up to have it back. And, like, this is a great tournament, man. Like, why is it like this? Why is it? I literally, on one side of the bracket, I can only get one more game right. I have Baylor winning one more game. Every other game is already done for me on the the messed up side of the bracket. So, like, what's the reason here that this is so messed up? I have no idea. My best guess is that, you know, the deities of college basketball knew that we were deprived last year and were just like, let's just absolutely right. make it crazy this year. Like, that makes as much sense as any other explanation. It was awesome. I loved it. Um, watched a lot of it. Obviously, other than when uh, when Mizzou was playing on Saturday night, it, it, it was great. You know, just having having all the craziness, all the upsets on uh, on Friday and, and Sunday – I, yeah, I loved it. So that's, the the entire that's tournament fun. actually was very much like Missouri season. I mean, every team yeah. would be up by thirteen points, and then somehow with thirty seconds left, it was a one possession game. And <laughs> even the ones like I mean, every single game was that way. It was crazy. Yeah, pretty much. Aside from like the ones playing the sixteens, like every game was close at some point in the second half. Yeah, and and games that involved Colorado, they got they beat Georgetown bad, then lost bad. But every other yeah. game was was a close game. It was awesome. Yeah. Yeah. And even like teams that end up losing, I mean, Eastern Washington led for 30 minutes. Colgate led for like 30 minutes and then got blown. Oh, they led for a while. Yeah. Colgate versus and, Arkansas was like Mizzou at Mississippi state. It was yeah. like, we're up double digits. Yeah. And then all of a sudden they, we they completely looked, looked forgot amazing, how to play then, the game. Yeah. And then their yeah, offense was the worst thing I've ever seen. I, I think it would be a fun, like experiment that obviously could never work or happen to play like the first round of the NCAA tournament. And then, like, somehow play it again. Like, you know, same team, same right. time, same matches, everything, and see how different it would be. I, I would be willing to bet that, like, half of the results would change. I mean, it's just oh, yeah. complete toss-ups, well, and that's why it's amazing. And the weirdest part is, I mean, if, if Loyola played Illinois in a regular season game in December, they would lose nine out of ten times, right? Mm -hmm. But in March, like, I, they didn't just beat Illinois like they looked like the one seed. I it's I don't yeah. get it, man. Yeah, I don't know. It's amazing. It's just how we do it. I mean, this is actually the best thing that no one has talked about that I've heard. That's incredible. And I didn't get to watch much of this game because it was right after Missouri. But I I saw this at the end. Abilene Christian upset a three seed who had just won their conference tournament in Texas while shooting 28%. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that's it. That's impossible. That's impossible. That's, that's ridiculous. And, they didn't even play well. Right. Like they're not good. I mean, they are a no. bad basketball team. And oh yeah. They didn't even play. They came to the tournament. It's not like they came and shot the lights out and played well. They I, played, they're bad and they played bad and they still beat the big 12 champions. I feel utterly qualified to discuss that game because I literally was writing about the Missouri game and saw a tweet about the Abilene Christian game and turned it on for the second free throw. 
And so that is the extent of the game I saw. So I feel very qualified to break it down. I watched about the last four minutes or so. Actually, before that, I had it turned on and on mute, but I wasn't really paying any attention because I was back in my hotel room writing. And then I I actually watched about the last two to four minutes somewhere in there. Uh, So, yeah, I mean, mean, it it really incredible. Yeah, incredible. I mean, yeah, I, I, I do. There were a few people like and, you know, this is. I, I don't remember who you are. I'm not really bagging on you, but like on the board that were like, if Evelyn Christian can win, like what, like why can't Mizzou? It's like, well, if Mizzou had played Texas on that night, they, they I think they would have won. Like Texas turned the ball over like 27 times. Yeah. <laughs> Anyone yeah. would have beat them. <laughs> yeah. And I heard, I heard a stat that uh, Abilene Christian got 27 more shots than Texas in that game. Like Texas oh took 40 Lord. shots. Well, I guess that makes sense. That's that's how you, you score enough points to win when yeah. you shoot 28%. Abilene Christian's offensive rebounding percentage in that game would have been fourth in the country if that was their percentage for the whole season. So <laughs> credit to uh, Gary Parrish and Matt Norlander for those stats. Um, so yeah, Case wants to know, what if I told you on Wednesday night in November that Oral Roberts was going to make the Sweet 16? So here's what I was thinking. I covered that game. Like I was at that yeah. game. I don't ever remember hearing of Max Acemas. Like, I didn't know he was a player, and he ended up being the leading scorer in the country, and him and uh, Oberlander, Obander, yeah. Yeah, led them to the Sweet 16. I I had no idea who they were. I, I, I was in the yeah. same building with greatness, and I didn't know. <laughs> it really is remarkable. I mean, it, it, like, it was not a particularly close game. I think Mizzou put up, like, 91 on them. 91-63 yeah. or something. They also, yeah. like, they weren't they, – on the other team that, like, I, I don't – that's one I really don't understand because it's not like they were just, like, a you know, a team that was, like, pretty talented but, like, you know, maybe a little underseeded, like, blitzed through their league and it was like, yeah, oh, they wow, they can carry it over against league. competition. They were the four seed in the Summit League and they totally fluked out, to, I think, in the semifinals, like, South on, like, a, State, refer, yeah. a weird – reverse tip thing at the buzzer they, they weren't they did not really belong in the tournament but now how amazing how did that happen because man those guys those two guys are good like i couldn't name another yeah. player on their team but those two guys are really good yeah they are they score a lot of points i don't know i mean yeah, yeah. just also remarkable. florida that was a pretty big gag yeah. job not not rutgers yeah. level gag but pretty big gag Florida, and this is, I, I, hopefully Florida fans don't like find this and get mad at me, although they probably hate their team. But like, I, I just am going to say that from my experience, Florida is bad at closing out games because I yes. watched them against Missouri when they gave up the, the layup to lose against Virginia Tech when they gave up that three-pointer at the buzzer after some dude missed both of his free throws. And then against Royal Roberts when they failed to score for like the final three minutes. So not a good end of game team. Yeah, uh, not a particularly just good team. They're just kind yeah, of, that's they're true. there. They're fine, you know. Um, all right, so uh, I don't know. Next week, like, we're going to do a show, and we'll talk about things. I don't know what it is. Missouri's on spring break. I, maybe we'll tweet Drinkwitz and ask him if he could get a couple of commitments to give us something to talk about. Um, but we'll find ways. Um, you know, sometimes the show tends to be better when we just talk about things that aren't at all related to Missouri sports. So we hope you hang out with us uh, in the future on Wednesday nights. Uh, we hope you go to 573tees.com and uh, buy things. Um, and we hope you buy subscriptions too. So uh, hit the like button before you leave. Subscribe to the channel. We will be here, at, at, as far as I know, weekly throughout the offseason, just kind of catching up on uh, whatever happens. But it's very weird. Like, I, I don't know what I'm going to do for the next four months. So. 
Yeah. Well, you're about to be fully vaccinated. Get out and live your life. <laughs> I'm going I'm to go start coughing on people really soon. So, uh, yeah. yeah. All right. Well, thanks for watching, guys. And uh, we'll be back next week. Uh, talk to you then.